Welcome to Mentioned in Dispatches, the podcast from the Western Front Association. With me, Dr Tom Thorpe. The WFA is the UK's largest Great War History Society. We are dedicated to further understanding of the Great War and have around 60 branches worldwide. For more information, visit our website at westernfrontassociation.com. It is the 21st of March, 2022, and this is episode 247. On this week's programme, I talk to historian Dr Gavin Rand, principal principal lecturer at the University of Greenwich, about the recent discovery and digitisation of 320,000 records of soldiers from the Punjab who fought for the British Empire during the Great War. Gavin spoke to me from his office in London. Gavin, welcome to the podcast. Could you start by telling us about yourself and how you became interested in the Great War? Yeah, thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm a historian of empire and of the Indian army, particularly. uh, And I began working in the 19th century and I have been dragged forwards into the 20th. Initially, in fact, to the Second World War and to the aftermath of the Second World War and to partition. But um, then more recently, I've come back to the First World War in part because of some work that I did with the Commonwealth War Graves Commission on their non-commemorated project. And it's really from that work that this most recent project on Punjab and the First World War has developed. So we're going to talk about a project where you've actually uncovered and digitised 320,000 records of soldiers who were from the Punjab and who fought for the British Empire during the Great War. Could you start by telling us a very obvious question? Where is the Punjab on the Indian subcontinent and what countries would it would it be in today? Okay, yeah, it's, a, it's a good question, Tom. You're testing my geography. Uh, no, you're not really. I'm, I'm kidding. Um, so Punjab now straddles the borders between India and Pakistan. In the late 19th and early 20th century, it was part of uh, undivided or so-called British India. Um, but it's the, uh, and it was in that role, the most important recruiting ground for the British Indian Army in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. But it is now divided between India and Pakistan. So how did you come across these records? Where were these records? Where have they been for the last sort of 90 to 100 years? Yes, yeah, so I need to confess here, I didn't uncover them. Uh, in fact, the, the records have been known of for at least a decade, to my knowledge. Uh, they're in the Lahore Museum. The originals are kept in the Lahore Museum. The, the man who got them out of Lahore, as it were, uh, is Amandeep Madra, the, the chair of the UK Punjab Heritage Association. And several years ago, Amandeep successfully negotiated for these records to be copied and shipped over to him here in the UK. And what we have done in the last year is to complete a process of transcribing the records to make them all uh, searchable and much more usable for research purposes. And what did these records record? Why did the British Empire authorities seek to record this information? Uh, it's, a, it's a really good question. Um, and it's an answer that I can give partially, but which, as ever, I think we're going to need more research to fully understand the origins of the registers. Um, So the registers record the name, the village from which recruits were drawn, records their caste or something approximating their caste. It records their father's name, 
And if the recruit was wounded, became a casualty, we record that. It records fatalities. It records, in some cases, pensions or other awards and distinctions given. And our best guess at this stage is that the registers were assembled in this form in the aftermath of the war, partly as a way, uh, we think, of, of, of monitoring uh, political conditions in the province uh, as a way, obviously, of tracking and in some cases rewarding those who had served the Raj. But um, I think if you pushed me, I would say that they were created and they survived in part because they served an important imperial purpose. They, they were a way for the colonial state to identify and reward those who had served uh, on behalf of the state during the First World War. You've touched on this already, but what sort of information can people uh, find out about their relatives who have may, may have served for the British Empire during the Great War? Well, as I say, the, the, the registers will record recruits' names and the villages from which they were recruited. And we think for most people looking today, for, for most of, of those interested in seeing uh, relatives, perhaps, or, or, or uh, acquaintances from uh, from family villages, they'll be able to search through the website that we've put together as part of the project and to identify people either by name or by village. And we know that lots of people are using the website and looking up by name and by village. And why do you think these records are important? Well, I think they're important for, for lots of reasons. For historians like me, um, they tell a really detailed and granular story about the men and the villages and the communities from which recruits were drawn in the First World War. And we've known uh, for a long time, for, for several generations of academic historians, in fact, we've known quite a lot about the big picture that a third of men recruited in South Asia came from Punjab, but these men played a crucial role on each of the major fronts of the First World War. But what we have lacked until now is a real granular sense of um, where the men were recruited from, of the villages they came from, of their religions and their castes. And, and these records give us insight into that level of detail that we just haven't been able to pin down before. And having that data now in a form which is easily searchable, in which the aggregate picture can be understood in much, much finer detail, I think is going to, to let us do lots more interesting work on, on the men and, and the war and the impact of the war uh, back home on Punjab. And then there are connections right the way through to, to India and Pakistan and Britain's 20th century history. And I think there will be lots and lots of work using these records that goes well beyond the war and its immediate context to, to tell really important stories about you know, the global history of the 20th century. I think for lots of other people, for um, descendants, for people in the Punjabi diaspora, and for people just interested in understanding the war and the people who fought it, the records will help to make connections um, with family histories in South Asia, in the UK, in North America, in Australia, and indeed around the world. And, and we know that the records can do that because we've seen users from all across the world make use of the records. They've visited the website and they've already um, they've already begun using them to do that. So, you know, I think it's really exciting. It's going to help us do lots of things.
And are there any sort of emerging trends? I was just wondering whether it sort of tells us what sort of ethnic and religious groups uh, the British Army recruited from and how much of this was a voluntary effort or whether there's, there's any type of subscription, not subscription, conscription involved in the actual recruitment of these individuals. Uh, yeah, we, we know a good deal about that already. And yes, the records, the registers will help us to understand in, in more detail some of that, uh, some of that story. So roughly half of the, the men who went from Punjab were Muslim, uh, about a quarter or so were Sikh and the remaining quarter were Hindu. Now, proportionally against Punjab's population, there are about there were at that time about 50% of the population were Muslim, so that's about proportionate. Sikhs were overrepresented. Um, so uh, off the top of my head, I think something like 13% of Punjab's population was Sikh uh, during the First World War, and yet about a quarter of men who are enlisted are, are Sikh. So um, yes, we'll understand a good deal more about the, the, the fine detail of, of some of that recruiting um, on, on the back of the registers and, and comparing them, for example, against colonial census data, against some of the pre-war uh, recruiting handbooks and, uh, and other stories that we have, I think will help us to better understand that big picture. Yes. And my final question is, where can people learn more about the project you've been involved in and also your research? Well, for the project, the project website is available now at www.punjab which is p-u-n-j-a-b www1.com so that's www.punjab www1.com and so far we've got about 44,000 individual records available for search on the website and we are currently working to get the remaining 280,000 up and available and we're having some really exciting discussions with a range of partners who are helping us to to make that possible so people should stand by for more news on that in due course um, you can find more information on my research if you if you put my name into a, uh, any of the, the well-known search engines you'll find me at the University of Greenwich and there are links and other things to the work that I've done there. Gavin thank you very much for your time. Thanks for having me, Tom. It's been a pleasure talking to you. You have been listening to the Mentioned in Dispatches podcast from the Western Front Association with me, Tom Thorpe. Thank you for all my guests for appearing on this edition. The theme music for this podcast was George Butterworth's The Banks of Green Willow. It was performed by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales, conducted by Chris Russman and produced by Biz Records. This recording is part of a collection of orchestral works by Butterworth performed by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales and supported by the Western Front Association. This is available from all good record stores under the record code BIS2195. Until next time. <laughs>